0: This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Media Mates podcast. My name's Ralph Tucker. Each week, I'll chat to somebody I've met from my career in and around the media industry. All of them have such great stories to tell. I'm not Michael Parkinson or Andrew Denton, but I do enjoy chatting to interesting media people about where they've been, where they're headed next, and everything else in between. My guest today is Anthony Maroon, NRL caller for Triple M in Sydney. Anthony has spent the past 30 years as a radio announcer, firstly at 2NZ in Inverell, then 2GN Goulburn, I-98 in Wollongong, and finally Triple M in Sydney. He chats about cutting his teeth in the country, the changing landscape of radio, and his love for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Maroon is one of the best blokes I've met in my career, so I really hope you enjoy our chat. Anthony Maroon, welcome to the Media Mates Podcast. Mate, thanks for asking me, Ralph. It's a pleasure. Now let's talk about what you're up to these days. You're in sort of semi retirement from radio. <laughs> Would that be fair to say?
1: No, that wouldn't be fair to say. I, uh, I do you know, obviously these days I'm more involved with the Triple M NRL call and um, if they need me I go in. If they don't need me I do a bit of corporate gear doing, you know, MCing things and but radio's always been my number one love and it and it always will I, I that's all I care about, to be honest with you. Where did it all start for you, like the
0: interest in radio? Hmm. Were you someone that was had the radio in the background at home at mum and dad's when you were growing up? Was it something that you fell arse backwards into? How was it that, that, that it came about for you?
1: Well, how it came about for me was in 1983, I was in the careers um, room at my school at Marsland College in Ramwick, and uh, a mate of mine said, You know what, you should get into radio. And uh, I thought, you know, I probably would be okay at that. And I sent all these letters out to all these stations and and everybody sent a letter back. And, and from that I, I got some idea of where I needed to be and where I needed to go. So I went to Max Rowley Media School and did As that. As I did. did yeah, all the good ones did. <laughs> Except me, I'm not a good one. And then, um, mate, I got a job at bloody... Grace Brothers in Bondi Junction and Miranda calling the specials. So I'd be like, you know, ladies, where you see the red light flashing? And, and that's kind of where it started. Oh, talk to me about those days. That would have, because you had to do what you had to do to follow your dream.
0: And, you know, we were talking before we, we came on air about the fact that there weren't as many radio stations around back then. Mm. So the opportunities weren't as great. So in order to sort of practice your skills, you had to do whatever you have to do to get your voice out there.
1: I always say that cured me of, emb- of embarrassment. You know, you'd be up a, la- a ladder or you'd be selling ladies, you know, undies and, and and once you've done that in your 18, it wasn't hard to embarrass me after that. And from that I got a job in radio selling ads for a little while and then I got a job in the bush uh, on air at 2NZ in Varel. So So that being in those shops selling the – the bloody Christmas hams and where you see the red light flashing, that's the best grounding I had.
0: We'll get to your career in radio, but tell me about what you learnt from the, the great Max Riley. Were you in the little terrace house at Redfern there where he was, mm. where he had the little studios
1: set up? Well, yeah, he, he was in 241 Chalmers Street, Redfern, and I'm an old Redfern boy from Great Buckingham Street, Redfern, so for me to get to Max's took about 13 seconds flat out and I could stop for a long neck. What Max was great at um, pulling the best out of you, you know what I mean, and uh, I, that's what I always thought. He, he pulled the best out of me and blokes like Robbie Duckworth and Brendan Jones and, you know, like these are all uh, Chris Smith. The, these blokes were, have had uh, much bigger careers than me, but just because, you know, like he just got the best out of them and got them a start.
0: And encouraged people like yourself that had been through the school to, go out and cut your teeth in the in the country. In those early formative years, what was it that you thought that you had that you that you could take out and be, become a job? Cuz most of the people that we've spoken to on this podcast series came from different angles. So they went on and became journalists and so forth, but chatting to somebody like Brian Sanders Sando who was the traffic reporter for many years on on Triple M like yourself went and did other things to become radio announcers, which they went through the training at at Max's. So what was it that you wanted to get out of it? Was it your ideal job to become a jock? Did you want to become a footy caller? What was the the thing that you saw in yourself that you wanted to be initially when you got into radio?
1: Well, I wanted to be um, a jock. I'm sort of the same vintage as Sando. I heard that thing you did with Sando and it was brilliant. And I've known Sando for many years and Mate, back then I wanted to be a just be a jock, but I was, you know, eighteen, nineteen years old. Now I'm fifty. So, who
0: were your heroes back then? Who did oh. you listen to
1: that you thought, right? There's something to that. Without question, it's my now great friend Rob Duckworth. He was my hero. He was. I, I love listening to Robbie Duckworth, and I still do. I still think he's he's such a wonderful uh, jock and a wonderful human being. And he's ageless, though, isn't he? Because he is. Yeah getting on the, the senior side now, isn't he? <laughs> well, mate, I'll tell you, he looks younger than me. He's got to be at least. Uh, Robbie, unless you're listening, I won't say. But, but mate, no, mate, he was definitely my um, – and obviously I think Ronnie Sparks. I, I listen to him every day and he's still a jock. He just sounds fantastic. He knows what he's doing. No one can tell him what to do because he knows what to do. So Ronnie and, and Rob, obviously my uh, heroes – and Rob, who I know so well personally, I, but he was definitely my, my inspiration.
0: Yeah. And so you listen to Rob Duckworth on the, on the radio. You want to become him or mm-hmm. somebody like him or a version of him. How do you go about that from sitting there and trying to perfect your skills at Max Rowley's? And he's telling you to use light and shade and mate, you need to do this and do that. Mm-hmm. How do you then take that to? whichever job you're going to go to next which i think you mentioned was in Varel, you take all that on board
1: but at the end of the day if you've got the confidence to talk on the radio you you've got all these stories of, about your life you've got things that, i mean the best thing for a young jock to learn what i always did you've got things that are happening in your life you know you have got the red joe's due you've just had a baby you got a, you're paying for this your wife's doing that you know whatever's real in your life is the stuff that people can relate to. So I always just relied on that. I always relied on. I mean, I'm a massive supporter of rugby league, and you know, I've been with the same. Uh, well, well, my wife and I've been together for 32 years, and we just kind of. I just use those everyday things. They're the things that people can relate to because you and I have known each other a long time, and we would be just chatting on the lounge over there, and you know, like it's the things that we we all get affected by that come across on the radio and. It doesn't matter if you're doing a talk show or a music show. If you If you've got a window of 10 seconds, you can find something to say that people can relate to. And what I would say to any other, to any young jock is it's just all about preparation. If you go on there prepared, you'll nail it. And in in my opinion, the best, the best jock I've ever worked with, you know, regardless of who my inspirations are and all that, the best jock I've ever worked with is Becco, who works at Triple M now. He goes on every day. He's prepared. He knows what he's got to do. He knows where he needs to be. And in this day and age, you do so many other things. And that bloke is just such a good jock. I haven't worked with anyone better than him. So if you are a young jock, that's the bloke you need to be listening to. Talk to him
0: about moving to the country and working out there. Like many people who've who've been on this before have said, it's the greatest thing that, that taught them. Like, you know, not only for career growth, but personal growth as well. Having to lift yourself up of your comfort zone, take yourself out, and meet the country people be part of the the community is mm. that how you found it when you first moved to Inverell I mean you would have been doing not only the the stuff on air but you would have been doing station promotions and putting ads together and all those kind of things how important was that for you to to learn as a, as a young guy in radio
1: yeah well that's so true Ralph like um you get out there and you When you leave, people say to you, well, it's probably different now. I don't know what people do this. I think these days they just go on reality TV. But in those days, we used to go out and um, start up in the bush. And anyway, me and Jonesy, the W.S. Jonesy, we got a job on air in the same week and I can't remember if it was 89 or 1990 but it's somewhere around there and he took one of the jobs and I took one of the jobs and and mate you get out there and it's just the most wonderful experience I've ever had people were so good and you you'd have like the Grafton Winverell bike race or you'd have some street fair going on or you'd go to some other little town and people were so welcoming and it was just a wonderful experience you know I remember one night there when I first got there I my mum I'll tell you a quick story my mum she used to ring me every night on the bloody uh, when I was on the radio to if I was all right. And if I wasn't, she'd ring me in the motel was where I was staying because I hadn't had a house yet and one day I had the day off I said, geez, I'll I'll just take the day off and stay away from the phone and walk into the Inverell tavern. This lady says this barmaid says, Is your name Anthony? I said, Yeah, yeah. She says, Your mum just rang. <laughs> yeah, she's rung every <laughs> pub and club. But uh she knew where to find you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, they were great days mate like and you get involved in the community you really do you you lose yourself in it you know you you're doing wheelie bin races and um you know Australia Australia day and you just lose yourself in it and and those that experience for me inverell and Goulburn just just I, I love it like we've got a daughter now lives in Canberra my wife and I and when we go to Canberra we never go we never go the bypass we always go into into Goulburn and yeah. uh, you know, I remember the old days, so it's just been wonderful.
0: Who were the early influences on you in those early days when you are in uh, in Virola and, and Goulburn, when you first uh, yeah. set out and, and wanted to become a jock and improve yourself? Because obviously the, the main goal is to get back here to yeah. Sydney, where mm, you're from, mm. but you need to learn how to cut your teeth. And then in order to cut your teeth, you need to learn from, from older people, which is how everybody learns.
1: Well, there was a bloke, and he's still a matter. of name Donnie Dawkins, and Donnie never, um, he was the, the group PD for this mob I worked with at Two GN and Two XL, and he, he, he never let you get ahead of yourself. You know, He's just tell you what it's all about, and and I I enjoyed that. And then, but one of my biggest influences was a, a bloke, um, God rest his soul. When I left Gold, and I went to Wollongong, a bloke named Peter K. He, he passed away only recently, and Peter K. was um just a really big, lovable character, you know. And he worked at i ninety eight. Back back in those days when I ninety eight was called two double and it was my birthday one day and he said um no it's 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 his birthday we're gonna go and have a drink you know so he said Peter K was about six foot four and big had a big gut on him geez he was a good bloke you know took me down to the bloody Wollongong ex servicemen's club or something me and him and. A couple of other old blokes and we, we got on the drink. We had that many. I had to go do drive that afternoon. I, I think I played the same song twice in half an hour. <laughs> wouldn't happen these days, would it?
0: No, like, no. you know, just being out with the, the boss or senior statesman and then having to be paired to, to go on air. Mm. They wouldn't. Oh, you, uh, no, no, occupational no. health and safety and put a line through yeah. your straight, <laughs> straight and, away. And so
1: they should, mate. <laughs> so they, they were different days, and that's like 1992 or uh, something. Oh,
0: they? goodness. Mm. So Wollongong, talk to me about that because you were there for quite a few years mm. and it gave you that opportunity to, again, become part of that community. It allowed you to call football, which... You're so passionate, and you have this great love of football. That must have been exciting for you as well.
1: Yeah, the, the Wollongong thing's interesting. I was it. Um, uh, I was in Goulburn, and um, I got offered a just got lucky. I got offered a job at Two W L, which is Wave FM and i ninety eight. And then back then, I think Wave was the more stable of the two, so I took the Wave FM job doing mid dawns. And when I got there. I met a bloke named Steve Fox. Fox, he said, you took doing mid-dawns over doing drive. You you know, you're mad. You know, like he was just the most dry character, Steve Fox, a great bloke. But I had the opportunity very quickly to pull out and get out of there and go to I-98, so I did. No, I did drive at I-98, and then Peter Kay, who I was talking about not so long ago, was he got rubbed out. He got punted. He was doing breakfast, so I went on to breakfast with another girl named Angela Walsh, and then that didn't last long, and then Millie came along. And then Maroon and Millie beat Steve Parsons, and no one had ever beat Steve Parsons, you know, and, and that was like uh, massive for me and her. And I must say she's probably been the biggest influence on my career than any man is, has Why is been, that? Really. Oh, mate, she just, she just got it really easy and could really simplify it, you know. She could really simplify it. And she was so naturally funny and she brought the best out of me and because I had so much faith in what
0: she did. So obviously you would attest to this, chemistry is just a huge part in radio. There's a lot of arranged marriages, for want of a better term, that that don't work, Mm. but there are some that just click and having, I guess, the support of not only you guys within a a studio sense but but, but management for you to – both of you to work together and work that out and forge ahead and, and, and make it such a great team. That must have been something that was tremendously satisfying.
1: Yeah, well, it was, mate. I, you know, she, she came along and Millie and at the same time, Christine, my wife, was having a baby and Millie would teach me how to, you know, bring that to the to the radio, you know, those normal things I was talking about before and really could really simplify things. She could and, and, and so funny, you know, just so naturally f- Funny. So she's probably, you know, she's been the biggest influence in me. And she said once, um, well, one we had this talk one time and Paso was still number one down there, and I said, I don't think we'll ever beat him. And we'd never even had a survey together. She said, we'll beat him. And next survey, we were number one in the Coromel Hotel, drinking um, schooners and smoking cigars. So it was a really, it was a real chemistry, mate. And it was, there was a lot of love there to the point where, Sometimes drove each other mad, but it, it is all about chemistry. It's, it really is. If you listen to any shows that you like on the radio, none of the really good shows are made out of that. You know, let's pull out someone out of here and someone out of there. And, you know, it's all chemistry. There's so many good. I don't know. I mean, obviously I still have an association with Triple M, which I love. And so I don't want to start picking off um, breakfast shows and stuff, but the only shows you can sit and listen to long term are the ones that have good chemistry
0: people think that radio studios might be these luxurious pads very tiny small airlocked environment and you're in there with perhaps one two other people tops yeah in order to like you said before you may you might have had some stand-up blues or you might have some fights or whatever but you've got to keep that going to keep the entertainment going on the radio how difficult is it to do that if you don't have that that chemistry factor because you're in a confined space for a a long period of time each day
1: and you've got to make that work. Otherwise, people can pick up on that kind of thing, can't they? They can, Ralph, yeah. See, sometimes we need to realise as radio people that we're not operating on people's heads. You know, We're just on the radio and people want to know how traffic is on Southern Cross Drive and what's the latest Foo Fighters song. So you just have to get on with it and not take yourself too seriously and... And that's what where I think you know you you, you just you just have to, it's like anything, mate. You have a fight with a workmate, you move on. But it must be hard for these teams where somebody wins Big Brother or I, you know, one of the, one of these bloody cooking shows. I don't watch them, so if somebody wins one, all of a sudden they're on the bloody radio with you, and you are thinking, well, I've been here for twenty five years. Now this knucklehead's that's won Big Brother. No disrespect to Big Brother or anyone who's won it, but. That doesn't qualify you to be good at radio. What qualifies you to be good at radio is going to Inverell or going to Coomer or going to Goulburn or going to bloody Turragan and you know that's how it was in my day anyway.
0: You spoke of that special experience there there in Wollongong which lasted for quite a long time mm. and you spoke about the aspects that made it so popular and made it work. How much did you learn from that experience like in terms of getting the craft of radio, what you spoke about before, it just innate things that can't necessarily be taught to a winner of Big Brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. being mm. able to get the feel of what subject will work with the listeners and being part of that community down there in Wollongong and working with your co-host and what are the attributes that you have that you can pull it together uh, to, to appeal to the, the common man or the common woman? Mm.
1: Well, perhaps it's changed a lot now, but um, we used to all just work on the uh, even at Triple M. We still do, you know. When I'm on air with the footy guys, is you know, tr- is try and work on what's relatable to people, and it's one of those things where you've got to say, for instance, you know, right now I'm going to be I'm I'm going to I'm a few months away from being a grandfather. You know, if I was on r- the radio now, I'd be milking that for everything it's worth because <laughs> people females love that you know and people love that you know and it's like anything ralph you can't come into you can't come off big brother and know how to um and again i'm not knocking big brother or anyone who's been on big brother but you can't come off there and expect to know how this all works how to know? appeal to an audience yeah, and yeah, you know, how know? to
0: generate you know conversation amongst yeah. people and all of that kind of thing yeah it's yeah. kind of like it, it's a, in many ways it, it is a false economy those shows are popular, and you're talking about being tapping into the the popular side of culture, but from my mind, and speaking to somebody like yourself that's so experienced in radio and has this... this, But so are you. You've been around a long time. I've been around for a long time. Having this great love for for radio and people Mm. like us that, that really love radio, there's this sense that while those people are popular on TV, it's not always going to... Translate to being popular on the radio yeah. because they don't have the ability to tell stories the way you would necessarily be able to tell a, tell a story. Yeah. So I think mm. that's so important, and that's what I think's lost. In I think in many ways, and it's become just systematic in just lazy programming. So people that are an easy get to get them to put them on the radio will pay them x amount of dollars, and they'll be good because they were good on such and such. As someone who has come through the old school way, that must really sort of irk you in many ways because you've done the hard yards and you've had to build up that chemistry with the co-host that you were put with.
1: You know, I I think...
0: Because a a lot of the programmers are ex-jocks or people that have been... They seem to change when they get into management. Their ideas just seem to go out the window and they seem to forget where they they came from and, and just adopt this populist approach, would you? Would that be a fair sort of comment? Because the smart ones look outside the box. They don't just nab reality TV stars. They mm. try and work with and foster young talent and bring them through.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, there's probably enough examples of talent that have come through as well. So, you know, it's, mm. so, so there's a lot of these reality TV show people in radio now, but there's also so still a lot of... Um, People coming through that might have started at, at, at CFM somewhere, but mate, I don't know. Look, it's different. It's different from when I started because now I think they look at shows that they, they'll build a show that they can sell nationally. The blokes I've worked with, I like. I work with them for years, and and I think I really like working with them. I think they know what they're doing, and they respect me, and I like that. But I've worked with blokes over the years, and you think, mate, this bloke wouldn't know he's asked from his elbow, and he knows he doesn't know what he's talking about. But if he can get another three hundred and fifty k, well, he'll walk away with that, and he'll be, you know. He... So it's as much
0: for some guys that are in management position that can sell the sizzle rather than the sausage. Oh, I think so, mate. I
1: think so, but because but... there's
0: some dud sausages out there.
1: Oh, mate, shit, yeah, but oh, exactly, like. I think I've worked with blokes over the years, n- not who I work with now. I think the the blokes I work with now have been around. We've been around each other for twenty years, and the good ones always will stay. You know, the good ones will always stay together. But I've worked with blokes, mate. They wouldn't know. They wouldn't know the on air studio from the bloody uh, carding studio. And I've told them along the way too. I've told them, you know, and. But I used to think, do do these blokes really believe what they're saying? And I don't think they do. I think they're just smarter than me and they know that they don't know what they're talking about. But as I said, they'll sign up for another half a million and by the time someone finds them out, they'll be half a million dollars richer. There's plenty of them, mate. There's plenty of imposters, Ralph. I always say, the thing about radio is it's the only game you can be in where the more you know, the less you get paid.
0: It's so true. It's so very true. You just think about the actual art of being a, a jock on the radio, and we can talk about that for a bit. There was a time not too long ago where you had to master, you mentioned carts there before, mm. you had to master carts, you had to master records. So... You, you 're virtually like a magician in the in the studio when I first came through that was the norm watching people do that and I just used to marvel at the fact that they could not only talk on the radio but they had their hands moving around like nobody 's business yeah. to get cue up the next song which, which you know, may have been on CD, it may have been on vinyl, It may there may have been ads that were popping through on carts. So these days it's all a whole lot easier on, on computers, but you would have come through in that area where you, you would have had to have done that in the country. And that must have been like a fun experience to learn all that gear and also learn your your craft and say your funny bits in between the, yeah. the songs and, and come up with, like you said, relatable stories. Mm.
1: No, it was, mate, it was... Um it used to let you down a lot too the, the the technology back then you know the carts would be snapping and the quarter inch tape would be breaking and uh, you'd put the radio on the wrong speed and you know my old mate tim gilbert is a real good mate of mine and he's an old radio bloke tim and he's on the today show now obviously but would I'd, I'd go in studio when tim was on air and uh, He'd have the, the radio the record ready to play on 45 he might have been playing Bloody Katrina and the waves walking on sunshine when he wasn't looking I'd change the speed on the on the on the turntable because he was a, he's a perfectionist and that's why he's where he is and um, I change the speed on the <laughs> turntable and he'd come looking for me and and then when I was at 2nZ interval when I started I'd put this we used to have this bloody Bible show every night called back to the Bible. And I used to put the Bible show on for half an hour and go down to the Tattersall's Hotel, which was just a short stroll down the lane. But, you know, it was all, all the, even back then, mate, it was, when I started in radio, there was bloody, you were still playing uh, radio plays on, uh, you know, vinyl. So that's, you know, it's amazing, isn't it, how, how quick it's all changed. Did
0: you find it difficult to adjust from being a single jock to being part of a successful team with Millie and then going back to being a jock, or is that something that came easily to you because you're able to call on so many stories? Because you not only you love of, of rugby league, but you love of music as well. For me, if a jock, if I'm listening to a jock and he doesn't know a story or two about a, a song, yeah then I'm not going to listen to him anymore. You know, mm. you can play the latest and greatest, but unless you've got like a a, a story that you can attach to it, to me it, it just loses that that warmth or that sincerity of the person that's delivering it to me mm. because anybody can say, coming up next, the Foo Fighters, that'll be followed by Pearl Jam. Like, give me something else.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, no, that's a good point, mate. I mean, that this is the thing you can't buy... Um You can't buy credibility you can't buy heritage and if you've you know if you've been around for a while and you know Robbie Duckworth tells stories about when he was hanging out with Queen or U2 and it doesn't matter how much money you got you can't buy that sort of credibility you've you're either there or you weren't so you've got to have you've got to have to have um, done the time and that's how it was and perhaps it's how it still is I don't know but I used to say...
0: But people aren't prepared to pay for experience these days. That's the problem. And without the experience comes... Loses the polish and loses the credibility and all of that thing. So it's just like... It seems to me just a complete waste. Well, why would you pay three people to do a talk about... A nonsensical story about the third person that's been kicked off my kitchen cooking whatever (laughs) when you've got somebody that can play you a song but can tell you about you know the time that they saw
1: david bowie at wembley stadium yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, i totally i (laughs) totally get you mate it's like you just can't buy it and if you see someone faking it you can tell straight away if you know especially with um you know music you know if it's a a heritage station or a gold station what we used to call or a rock station and you get a young bloke on trying to back announce, come said the boy. And mate, he wasn't born till 15 years after that song was. So it's still all about preparation for a jock, whether you're young or old. And if you're young, I suppose in that situation, you just, you know, you need to be doing more preparation. But I know exactly what you're saying. Radio's changed so much in the last 25 years. And. You know, sometimes is it the
0: the fast food lifestyle that we now lead that we want everything now? You know, we're not we're not appreciative of people that bring a lot of experience to the table. Whereas you perhaps would have in your more formative years as as a jock been quite willing to sit down and, and learn from people that had gone before you. Now it's like, can you do that? Great, you're on next Saturday. Don't mess it up.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think, mate, if, if when I was 22, 23, if I could have half an hour with Robbie Duckworth or Ronnie Sparks, mate, that would have I would have written down everything they said. Forward sell, back sell, it's not about you, don't talk too long, don't talk over the intro, talk over the intro, whatever they would have said, you know, like now it's... To be honest with you, Ralph, sometimes I don't listen to enough... Um, I mean, I never listen to these youth youth stations, so... I'm sure there's still a craft about it, but I used to love going in there on a Saturday and I used to love getting the Saturday shift to Triple M Bondi Junction. Mate, no one was in there and I'd be just there getting ready to go on. I felt like a bloke who likes making things out of glass or doing puzzles or making ships, you know, just doing my craft, just doing what I love. I didn't care what I got paid to do it. It was just an honour to get in there and just no one was going to bother me and just do it, you know. And
0: That was a real radio station for mine. Like this new one in World Square, while it looks nice and has all fancy new knobs and all the rest of it, it's got a bit of a hospital feel about it in that it's very that. Whereas that Vondi Junction radio station... Mm. Smelt like a radio station. Looked like a radio station. It just was, wasn't
1: it? Just so much heritage, you know. It was so much heritage. I wanted to work there all my life, and and I got in there first time I got in there. I will tell you the truth, mate. You might have to sense this. I don't know. First no, thing I no, seen, you can say, whatever you want here. Okay. In the I went into the studio to see Vic and Mal, who I'd known from um, at another radio station, but I wasn't on air at the other radio station. Vic and Mal sitting there eating chips, drinking beer while they're on air. Don't worry about that. Having a durry and a naked statue of a man with a dildo chained to his leg. So, what that was all about, I don't know, but what a great introduction. Yeah. I was like, well, okay, this is all right. Yeah. You know. <laughs> it was a great place and all those great blokes that were there then and, and Jonesy and Dobbo and obviously Vic and Mal, late Vic, God rest his soul, Millie was there and. You know, they were just great blokes, those old blokes. You know, and well, yeah, as I say, you can't take yourself too seriously. It's only, it's only talking on the radio, mate. It's not, it's not, um, it's not changing social. people's
0: lives. No, oh, goodness mm. me. I remember one line that we we had a drink one time, and you 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 told me the story about the fact that you idolised all of these people at, at tri- Triple <laughs> until you worked. Worked out that they were all alcoholics oh, and drug yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the thing. That's the thing. That was the
0: time back then, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Mate, I
1: always say to Rob Duckworth, mate, all I wanted to be when I was a teenager was just like you. And I turned out just like you. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're all just humans. And, um... But no, it was, mate. Like, it's funny. It's, um, uh, it's, some... it's funny in radio. Like, you meet people. Like, I've never been a big star. You know, I've always just worked and worked and worked and take of the ball up and kick to the corners and, you know. and. <laughs>
0: but what, in your own defence, what I will say to that is that you were the the guy that was going to play every game, right? Yeah, that's but, it. But, but you were also there for your teammates, whether he was a skinny winger or a fat forward, yeah. you know, whereas a few of the more flashier types would have no time for the skinny winger or the yeah, fat yeah, forward. So yeah, right. I think that's your great... Enduring quality for many of us that sort of were working at that time in the radio stations that you worked at was that there'd always be a, g'day mate, how are you travelling? How's how's everything at home? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, mm. you're one of us in many, many ways. And like, I think you would have got a whole
1: lot of respect for that. Well, I think, you know, like you're very similar, mate. It's like, you know, we're just blokes that do our job and we can do that. And, you know, if they if they picked it I've got a mate of mine, I always say if they picked a team they pro- you know like of blokes that just that just turn up every day and do it and know that you know we're, we're, that people can rely on us it's blokes like you and me mate it's not blokes that turn up and they've you know I don't know I'm getting that, that whole thing again but I'll give my life to radio I've been in radio for 30 years 30 years in radio I started out selling radio for a couple of years and where was that at, 2SM? That was, 2SM, yeah. And then I, um, then I got on air like not, not, not so long after. But I know exactly what you're saying, you know. You've got to turn up. You've got to treat people like you've got to have respect for people and it doesn't matter who you think you are because at the end of the day, as we've said many times together today, you're not operating on people's heads. You're just a radio announcer. You know, I haven't met many people that I don't like in radio but I've met one or two and the problem is they think their shit doesn't stink, you know. <laughs> And I've had people say to me mate you you know you, you, I'm at this age, I'm at an age now where I won't cop anyone's shit so it's either it, it either it, it is or it isn't but I'm too old to you know you get to a point where where you um you just won't you know cop people's shit I'm, the, the, like I work you know with Jamie Angel and Becco and then they're, they're good blokes like you can really respect them that because if you've got you know that you can respect these blokes They'll work alongside you. They'll stand alongside you. And that's all you can ask for, really, at the end of the day. It's changed a lot, mate. It really has changed a lot. Mm.
0: Something you do really enjoy, and we touched on it a few times, is is calling the footy. you mm. got... Given that first opportunity when you're in in Wollongong and you've since brought it to to Triple M when they got the the rugby league rights, first of all on a on a Monday night, and mm-hmm. then in seasons gone by, the last three seasons have been calling it on a a more regular basis. Mm. Let's talk about that. How did you learn to do that? Because that in itself is also a unique skill, and it's not something that everybody has because you've got to. Be constantly talking for 80 minutes, but not only constantly talking, you've got to provide entertainment, you've got to provide accuracy, you've got to provide all of these things that bring the call to life for people that are listening on the radio. And again, it's not something that everybody does. There might be nowadays there's there's more people that do it, there's probably you know half a dozen people mm. that do it every weekend back in the day there might have been three or four or you know two or three so what did you learn about yourself and and being able
1: to to bring that to the table well what happened there was um back in about 1994 or 93 or something I don't know anyway I 98 in Wollongong was looking for a caller I was already working there and I said I'll be the caller and they said well you've got enough to do you got to do the breakfast show your wife's about to have a baby and I said, well, give Mark Warren a call. I didn't even know Mark Warren, but I loved the way he called, you know, and I still do love Mark and the, what, what he does. And anyway, Mark, it's they fell out somewhere along the line. So I got the job, you know, and I found that with calling the footy more than anything, like, I mean, I was, as a, as a footy player, as a rugby league player, man, I was the absolute worst you've ever seen. They fairly nearly send me to another ground, you know. So when I got the opportunity to call, I used to, Look at the faces and know the names, and I still do it. I write the names down. I write the names down, you know. And sometimes people say to me, Who's number four for Melbourne? And I picture myself writing the names down, and then I'll get the name out, you know. And it's just, it's one of those, calling the footy is one of those things where preparation is everything. Like preparation is everything with that. You've got to have. Because people know their own teams back to front, and a lot of footy heads know every player in the competition. Hmm. You mess that up, you'll know about it. So you've oh, yeah. got to be bang on, don't you? Well, you do, mate. And, and even you know, doesn't matter how right you get it, you'll still get. You know, you'll still won't please everybody. And but it's um it's all preparation, and then it's all like practice. When well, remember when I first started back then, I used to practice a lot, practice a lot, and then I, I've had a couple of opportunities over the last. But I, that is the absolute highlight of my life. On Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon, when I know I've got to call the football, mate, that is the absolute. I can't tell you the rush that I get when I know I've got to do that. You know, well, and let's
0: let, let's sort of take that back a little bit and talk about that love for football. Where did that come from? You mentioned you're born and bred in the the Redfern area. Yeah, uh, idolised. South Sydney, growing up, your cousin played for mm. for the Rabbitohs. So talk to me about the first time you, or who introduced you to football and where did that love of the, the game of rugby league come from?
1: I suppose growing up around there, you know, this is the 1970s, early to mid-70s, there wasn't other sports. It was all rugby league and we, we all lived in this sort of pub culture and junior rugby league culture and we'd go to the, play for the Waterloo Waratahs who I played for and you know I was never any good and I couldn't sometimes even get on the bench you know I just didn't have confidence as a kid but I just loved the game I loved footy cards I loved Rex Mossop I loved watching footballers play and I loved that great rooster I don't not that don't get me wrong rap you know but that great rooster side of 1975 I often have discussions with Sturlow about how magnificent they were and then two drawn grand finals in 77 and 78 and I just really can relate to football like nothing else you know and I know everybody in the football community it's like some people like dish lickers and some people like bloody racing cars and it's just my life and to be able to get up on a Saturday and go and be part of it call it and it's just an absolute it's just an absolute bloody um I, I can't tell you what it is, man. And you know, it's 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 so wonderful, you know, and it's so hard for me. So when- you
0: must you must do and I can see the enthusiasm, I can see the the, the how, how much it means to you in, in your eyes, like combining those two great loves of yours, radio yeah. and rugby league. Mm. Like mm. and as I said before, that, that skill. How do you learn that skill, the putting the preparation together with the words? As I mentioned before, it's not something that everybody is able to do.
1: No, well, look, you know, it all, it all, Ralph, it all comes down, anything you do on the radio, I'll say this to anyone coming through the grades, anyone young, anything you do on the radio comes down to preparation. Whatever you talk about, whatever you say, whoever you talk to, it all comes down to preparation. This is what I tell the the NRL players we work with. Don't think you're going to waltz in here and say something funny and that's going to cover your ass because the, the funny stuff comes on the back of the hard work. It's like a footy game where you you, you cart the ball up, you cart the ball up, and then the fancy stuff starts. The key to everything on the radio, hosting a corporate function, I've not never been on the telly so I can't talk about the telly, but the key to everything I do is making sure you are prepared, 100% prepared. And then when you walk into that studio and you're prepared, you will get the, the, the colour will come, but it won't come if you're going to rely on it. So those early days
0: in, in Wollongong and finding your feet as a caller, who were the people that you worked with and who were the people that you got feedback from that encouraged you to, to keep going? Because you did that for a, a number of years. Mm.
1: Well, I worked with Johnny Jansen and uh, uh, my uh, my late friend um, uh, Spud Tobin, Glenn Tobin, who's been – sadly we lost, I think it was about 2001 – so uh, JJ and Spud and uh, boss back there in the old days was uh, Phil Gibbler and Andrew Gordon. and they were blokes that always they always backed me in they always had faith in me and and it was it was a, it was wonderful mate you know they just backed me in and then if there was anything wrong I, uh, that was a great mob to work for as well win back in the old days you know Kerry Kingston and Johnny Rushton. and because I'm one of them blokes if if something's going wrong you've only got to tell me you don't have to.
0: Dress it up as something. Yeah, yeah. And I'll
1: fix it. You know, and I don't have to. And don't think I know what you're thinking, because I'll never know what anyone's thinking. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, but mate, it was all just, um, I remember that first year we, that I became a footy caller, I spent the whole off season just running old videos, old VHS tapes, and calling players, you know, Barrett, McGregor, McGregor, back to Callaway, Callaway gets a pass out, and, you know, and just, and just, and just loving it. And, Hey, to tell you the truth, Ralph, if I had my time again, I would have probably pulled the pin on jocking ten years ago and taken all this a little bit more seriously, become a serious rugby league like yeah, yeah. Caller. But it's easy to say when you've you everyone's
0: know, got a mortgage to pay. Yeah, yeah. It's easy
1: know. to say, you know, now the kids are growing up, and I suppose I could do what I want now. But yeah, like it's it's just a it's just a great. I, I find when I started being a jock, jocking had a bit of prestige about it, and it's bit of that's gone
0: is it because of this infiltration of these reality TV people and all that where back in the day you knew that you had a, a breakfast lineup and that was for granted that, that that would be a team but for the rest of the day it would be jocks so you Ronnie Sparks people like Keith Williams mm. you know, you're people that had great names within the industry Rob Duckworth who were just an ever present Fixture of uh, whether it be a mid morning or whether it be a, an afternoon, and then maybe at nighttime there'd be a a, um, a team which you were a part of, obviously on on Triple M when Millie and yourself moved up to to be part of the the nighttime lineup at Triple M. But it just seemed to be that that was the formula, and that sort of worked. And now there seems to well, you've got to have a team in drive now, and you know. mm. it's just it's it, like you said the 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 gloss has been taken off the the actual person that is is there to talk about the music I mean after the time you don't even know which song it is because they don't even tell you so has that been lost and you know the fact that jocks now have shorter amount of times to interact between the songs and between the 648 minutes of ads
1: <laughs> well Matt I suppose at the end of the day it's a business you know and uh, we live in this day and age where technology being what it is and it, it's funny because, you know, you, you, you can go on, you, you can go on air, you can put a show together and it can go on air on 30 markets. And well, then why wouldn't you do it if it was your business? I don't particularly think it's a great thing. I'm just an old, a cranky old bloke now. But, you know, like it's, at the end of the day, it's a business. And I suppose they
0: Oh, I suppose also it's like that was when people were rating 30% yeah, in the market. Yeah. Now, it's a
1: cracking show if it's rating 8%. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the thing. So, mate, and, you know, we're, now we've got... If you look at markets like these sort of markets an hour uh, either side of Sydney, say Wollongong, you know, we're talking about days when there was two radio stations, one TV station, and a newspaper... You know, now there's, well, there's probably three radio stations and there's, there's three commercial TV stations and there's pay TV and there's Facebook and there's podcasts and there's the internet, you know. So it's not the same for radio. So this is what I need to keep in mind at times. You know what I mean? Like, you know, radio has got a lot to compete with. I suppose people get in the car now and listen to podcasts and stuff. I wouldn't even know how to do that. Well, you're on one, so I hope you oh. figure it out. Adam. Oh, i saw <laughs> this one out. Yeah. you sent send it to me on a, uh, on a cassette.
0: Yes. Oh, goodness me. Yeah, well, and, like, you had that opportunity in Wollongong to cool the football, so when the time came when you are working at Triple M for a number of years, you worked with Millie on, on nights and then you became a, a jock again and you were part of a breakfast show and then the opportunity then came for Triple M to cool football, so... That must have been great. You were at the joint that you idolised. Yeah. And Rugby League came to town, mm. so it must have been Christmas for you to be combining both those things on the on the station that you love so much.
1: Yeah, it was a little bit daunting, to tell you the truth. I was a little bit um, overwhelmed, I suppose, for a little while. And uh, But Dobbo, Guy Dobson always said, we're going to get the footy rights here and when we do, you'll be the caller. And, mate, it, it was all those things. And sometimes those things can be like – you're on Triple M, calling the footy, and
0: did you find it a difficult thing in terms of you had to? I'm trying to best think of the way I can describe. It, you had to Triple Mify the call, or was it going to be an extension of your personality? Mm. How did you decide on the the flavour that you would bring to the call? Because it's not your regulation Rugby League call. I think you're originally working with Jimmy Smith mm. on the on the on the call. Yeah. So you had to bring your own flavor to it that was going to differentiate yourself from what a 2UE or a 2GB or a 702 would bring to the call.
1: Yeah, well, I, actually, Jimmy was a big help to me then, you know. When I was saying I was getting a bit overwhelmed by it all. And, you know, one day there we had a good chat. He said, you know, you're just getting – just call the footy like you did at I-98. Watch a footy, do your own work, call the footy. And, mate, I don't know how that this sort of came about with me, how I call the footy now – But I suppose I'm not a comedian, but I can say some funny things and so like... You're a character. Yeah, a character maybe, yeah. Now, if you're calling a game and Newcastle are playing the West Tigers and sometimes maybe it needs a character, you know, just to sort of... Because not all games are exciting. No, they're not. Let's be fair. They're not. You know, I called a game last year where the loser, it was the last game of the last round and the loser was going to finish last, you know, so if you can't find... If you think anyone's interested in that game, they're not interested unless you can make it funny. And Gerds can make it funny and Dell can make it funny. That, then that's what we need to do, you know. And I suppose, you know, you've got to look outside how you can't do things how, especially when you've been around a long time, you can't do things how people think you should do things. You've got to do things how you think they should be done especially, as I say, if you've been around for a long time. If you're new to it, you've got to – but when you've been around a long time and, you, you know, you can, you call them West Tigers and Penrith and they're both coming last, you, you, you've got to take a little bit on board and say, well, here's what I'm going to do and I'm going to make a, have a bit of fun here. And the good thing is about our station, like me and Dan, who are great mates, and he's a great caller and he is an absolute legend of a bloke, we call the game completely different yes. and i think that's good for both of us you know it's good for the station and you know and i love the way he calls the game you know and i love the way he, he's got all the stats and he loves the stats and he knows all sports not just the NRL and i just know about NRL and but it's good we've got a good you know it's a good black and white thing there with dan and you know did
0: you miss it when you did that first season when triple m had it mm. Then you went off and yeah. visited another joint down the road yeah. which, mm. well, well, to be fair, wasn't that successful of no. a move <laughs> but they had a rebrand and they're currently yeah, now good on top. On them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then when you came back, were you ready f- to em- embrace that more of a sort of, I guess, full-time approach to, to NRL where it was all weekend, all the time and you had to host a few the pre-game shows and you had more... I guess the, the thing about the Triple M call and, and the, that I listen to and the, the, the bit that I enjoy is that they've got contemporaries of the game. So it's not guys that retired 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, I agree. It's got guys that have been in the game, you know, five, ten years ago with Gordon Tallis and Ryan Girdler and the Monday night um, guys which is, is gone now but you've got Sturlow and Andrew Johns and I mean we're talking absolute legends of the game but mm. for the majority of them, Sturlow's a bit older obviously but I don't think there's any better analyst in the game. No. But the contemporary guys that do it like your Wendell Saylors and your Paul Ryan. Gallon. Yeah they, they bring something new and fresh to it. You being able to combine with them y- you must have been excited
1: about the, the challenge of that yeah I just love that. I love working with the guys and if you need to tell them something you can tell them and they'll take it on board and they're all different and sometimes I worry about them I worry about how they because they're only human beings and you've got blokes like Gerds who's uh, he put in he puts in he put in his you know hours into the preparation you know and he's an absolute pleasure and I think Jimmy Smith still is probably you know I love working with Jimmy. he's always prepared and he knows what comes first and it comes back to what I was talking about earlier. Dell and Gordy, you know, they've all got different personalities, but they all bring something to the table. And and the thing is with Sturlo, people say, we forget Sturlo. Sturlo's been in the media for maybe nearly 30 years himself, 25 30 years himself. That's why he's so good at it. And you know, you don't and when you've got those guys alongside you that are great, not just great analysts, but they're prepared. It's like I was saying before, it's, it all comes back to being prepared. I've worked on air with buffeds when I crossed to them, to get their opinion on something, they're looking at Candy Crush or Facebook or bloody Instagram or whatever it is in the day, you know? How have you cope with the
0: advent of social media? There, there seems to be people that uh, either embrace the ride, come along with it, or just can't be bothered and just leave it behind. Which mm. camp do you fall into? Or you're sort of a mixture. You'll have a bit, a bit of a play every now and again and then get sick of it and brush it and then come back to it later on.
1: Well, I was blessed when I um, did leave Triple M for three years, and that I didn't enjoy those three years. A lot of uh, a lot of friends there, and everyone in radio knows everyone. But that was an awful time for me. But one you ended thing-
0: up on on breakfast at um, yeah, yeah GMG, which was called Vega at the time. Yeah, and classic um, rock and yeah, or classic rock and mm. all that kind of thing. and went mm. through a few different incarnations. I guess you had to do a job. You did a job, yeah. but your heart really probably would be fair to say wasn't in it for those three years.
1: No, no. It was just hard, mate. It was not just for me, for all the people that worked there. And anyway, what I was saying is they taught me how to get on Facebook and all that. That was a good thing because they forced us to do it. But those three years, you know, Dobbo said to me when I left Triple M, if it doesn't work out over the road, you ring me. And one day I rang him and I let him, you know, I I just let him. Forged your heart out? Yeah, I just said, mate, you know, and Dobbo listened and listened and listened and then he said, that must kill you when you hear Dan Ganane calling the footy on a Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I said, yeah, yeah, all that. What happened? Was it not, like, he said, I'll get you back here, you know, I'll get you something. And so I just went back to my stuff at, at Classic Rock or Vega or whatever it was called then. And they sacked me one day. I, I was so happy because I was so, I was so tired and I so stressed and, as I say, nothing – I've got no dramas with them. They're going great guns now and good on them, you know. but
0: It wasn't the right fit for you at that time.
1: No, no. I should have just said no. I should have just said no straight up. But, um, you know, it's, coming back to what we are saying before, that's nearly, you know, 10 years ago and you got kids in private school and whatnot. And, but, look, soon as it, soon as it fell to pieces, Jamie Angel rang me. I think I was back at Triple M the next day and um, – yeah, you know, I I just love that culture and I've been part of it a long time you know and and you've been part of it so you know what I'm talking about
0: what does it mean to you after all these years of following south sydney that a couple of years ago they won the comp hmm. and you were off the drink
1: yeah <laughs> are you yeah, still off yeah, the drink yeah yeah uh, I'm, I'm 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 i came back on the drink and we got straight back into the first grade squad don't worry about that <laughs> <laughs> didn't take
0: much time no, to get back yeah. but let, let's talk about because you are South Sydney through and through, mm. mate. I've been to press conferences at South Sydney training, and then all of a sudden you bob your head up somewhere. you're yeah, like, yeah. You, you're, you, you're almost like a fixture. And you know anyone that's been to South Sydney home games, maroon, will, will be there, whether he's hosting a, a corporate function or whether he's on the field or, mm. or anything. And mate, it must be every third break you you work in a yeah, South Sydney mentioned on on the radio. So. Talk to me about that particular season, and more importantly, Grand Final Day, twenty fourteen. Can we cast our mind back to that mm. when the full time siren went? Because to be fair, the game was over a long time before full time. But when that full time siren went, what what's going through your
1: mind? Well, it was an amazing day because I, it was all it was all relief, Ralph. More than anything, mate. It was like it was an amazing day because. I waited so long in my life and I used to say to my wife, Christine, if they make the grand final, it'll do me. But when they're out there playing the grand final, you think if they lose this grand final, it'll just kill me. And, mate, it took for bloody ever. It's like watching the Bathurst 1000. You know, It just went on forever, this bloody game. Oh, mate. you know. So I, do
0: you remember the, the last time that they'd, they'd won, 40-odd years ago. No, beforehand. I was like
1: five. And, like, they used to win every other year. I know – I remember them being successful and – I remember being in a bloody 64 Chevy Bel Air and they just, you know, and there was streamers all over it. But I don't actually remember them winning a the grand final. But that day, that game, mate, it took forever. And then when Arvar scored in the corner and I said to Christine, if Adam, to my wife, if Adam Reynolds kicks this goal, we're going to win the grand final. And he kicked the goal and it was like, mate, all I felt, people were jumping around and carrying on. All I felt was this real... Just relief that you know the. Oh, the, the it, you get me get started on this football club. You you get another hour. You know this is the greatest story ever told. This is the history of rugby league, this yeah. club, and then kicked out of the comp, and then marched the street. People march the street to get them back in. When are they making the movie? They got to make a movie. Let's why don't we get into a production? And you're company. going to be let's, Russell Crowe. Let, let's
0: make <laughs> it. No, I might be Russell Crowe, but like you couldn't. Like you said, you couldn't script that kind of thing. Get kicked out of the comp. Get back in the comp. Have a movie star. Bail them oh, yeah, out of yeah, financial yeah, yeah, difficulty. Yeah, yeah. They're in Redfern, for God's sake, the slum of Sydney. Yeah. Well, you know, with all
1: due respect, you were
0: born and bred there. Mm.
1: But do you know what I'm saying? I, like, totally, a, get it, mate. Un- I totally get it, Undesirable area. It's like a Rocky movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people don't get it. They kicked South Sydney out of the comp. Mm. But people, people said, like not just South Sydney people, people from north and and Easts and everywhere. March the street, get them back in the comp. Then a movie star buys them.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, it's like you're saying, it's it's the greatest story ever told about the greatest people. You know, sixty fucking sixty sixty legends on the field, sixty thousand legends off the field. It's the greatest club. It's the greatest. It's a, it's more Sydney than the Harbour Bridge is the Rabbitohs. Seriously, it is, mate. <laughs> so
0: just that moment and the, the days ensuring, and I think I remember I seeing a, a Facebook post of yours saying, my team won the grand final yesterday. Like, <laughs> <today> <laughs> yeah, up, yeah. like, what was that feeling like for you? Like, you must have just been just beside yourself.
1: Well, Because you've
0: been part of the club, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Hmm. Well, mate... I, I was, but I was more relieved. I had this little thing of relief, like Ding Dong the Witch is Dead. And I don't, to me, that club's not about, well, it is about winning grand finals, but it's about the people. So I guess know.
0: guys that had fought tooth and nail to bring the club back, you know, and there, there's a guy there that many older people would know, an old sort of hard school journo and a, a, a PR guy. Uh, a guy by the name of Norm Lipson.
1: Yeah, I know Normie, yeah, yeah. Mm.
0: The angry Anders as, as as he's known. Yeah. Somebody like him that, very much like yourself, just had this, this really deep-seated passion for the joint, mm. you know, and just to see the, the joy on people's faces like that. I mean, a lot of people who knock sport, you know, saying it's for, for buffeds and for jocks and all that kind of thing, but there is no greater theatre
1: in life than sport. No, no, there's not. Look at the Cubs now, you know, the Cubs are... Brings
0: brings people together, doesn't yeah, it? Like yeah. you know, mm. you've got heroes, you've got villains, you've got the drama, you've got everything that you would want in any great theatre production that you could ever
1: put together. Mm, mate, absolutely. You know, like this this is so true. Like I, I want you know, people ask me how I feel. I wonder how um, Russell Crowe feels or Richo or Do you know Russell Crowe? Yes, I know him. Yes, what's he like? He's lovely. He's. I mean, I don't go and knock around with him, but I, I know him. And- <laughs> And he's lovely. You know, he's a good fella. He's got a good. He's got his heart in the right place when it comes to Souths. He's got his heart in the right place when it comes to a lot of things. But certainly, when it comes to this club, he's got his heart in the right place. You know, and he gave Souths back. It's um. It's not necessarily their soul, but maybe their belief. Yeah, yeah. It's funny now. Like we 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 didn't make the the finals this year. That's the first time since twenty twelve. It's like, oh, we didn't make the final. You know, we remember the days when we were happy not to finish last. And he he bought a lot of that. He bought it all back. Him and like winners. You know, you have got to bring winners in. It's, it's, they say it's a, the oldest um, the oldest cliche in sport. But you know, it all starts in the front office. And if you got, you know, we got a good board and Richo and Crowe and you know, they they they're, they're winners. They think like winners, and they know that when they took over, it's not going to happen tomorrow. But it's just been a wonderful – that's a wonderful and, – and, mate, you've got to look at it from this point of view. At the When we march in the street, my kids are little kids. You know, they're little kids. So I don't have to tell my kids what happens if you stand by what you believe in because they've seen it. They've seen – they've marched the streets and seen their team. It was kicked out of the comp, a foundation team, then come back and win the grand final 30 points to six. or thirty. You know, don't get me started because, as I said, I'll go on forever.
0: We'll wrap it up in a sec, but you've been really generous with your time. I just, we've covered off on this a few times in this um, little chat that we've had. Advice for younger people looking to break into the media game as a jock. We sort of dwelled on the fact that the opportunities or the the, the style isn't what it used to be, but I guess on the flip side of that, with the advent of, of digital technology and things like podcasts and uh, websites and, and people able to forge their own way, that there are opportunities for people to create for themselves. What what advice would you give to younger people that were you, that aspired to be Rob Duckworth mm. 30 odd years ago? What, what would you say to them?
1: Well, I wouldn't aspire to be a jock anymore. I don't think that's a good avenue to go down. It's used to be a, a real special, unless I'm reading it wrong, like a specialist kind of um, career. And, you'd, you know, I was saying earlier, like you get in there and, it's, you know, you're crafting a way at what you do. I, I, I wouldn't, like my kids have been around radio all their life. My son's a voiceover artist. I wouldn't want him to be a jock. I'd stay away from that. If you want to be in the media, do journalism or get in front of a camera or really ex- you know, uh, explore the whole social the, the the um, you know the whole social media thing, uh, which I couldn't tell you much about. But it's it's completely different now. It's completely different. It's like comparing an HQ Holden to a bloody 2016 uh, Toyota Camry. So, but what you do have to have is um, you just really really have to have a belief in yourself. And when you you'll meet some wombat dickhead. Program director along the way, and he'll try and tell you what you need to be doing. But at the end of the day, he'll be some, you know, wombat in Grafton who's not going to get half as far as you got. So be careful what you listen to. Get yourself some good, um, some good uh, people to look up to. Get some, you know, there's plenty of good people in the media that'll help you, and get some good advice off the right people. Get some good advice off the right people, and always turn up prepared. And if you turn up prepared, then if you've got it, you'll get there. Anthony Maroon, thanks very much for your time. I'm going to send you an invoice for $27.50. I'll pay that in beer. (laughs) There he is, Anthony Maroon, NRL caller for
0: Triple M in Sydney. If you really enjoyed my chat today with Maroon, let him know by sending him a tweet. He's at Anthony underscore Maroon. I don't think he's checked his account for two years, so it might be a fruitless exercise. But anyway, you can follow us on Twitter, which is at MediaMatesAU. Check out the Facebook page. Most importantly, if you could subscribe in iTunes, that'd be great. It means you won't miss an episode. While you're there, leave a rating or review, and that way more people will find out about the show. Until next time, I'm Ralph Tucker, and this has been the MediaMates Podcast.
1: Mates Podcast.